This program was first broadcast on Canterbury's access media station, Plains FM, and was made with the assistance of New Zealand On Air. Hi, and welcome to another episode of Lawfully Speaking with Luke. Today we're going to be kind of talking about what our rights with police are, um, kind of giving us a few case examples of uh, if, if this happens, what happens next. We're going to be starting off with some basic ones and then going into a little bit more of uh, specifics. So to start off, are the police allowed to ask me questions? So if you encounter the police when, for example, you're just walking down the street, they are allowed to ask you questions if they think you might be have useful information about a crime they're investigating, for example. But the police aren't allowed to tell you or suggest to you that you have have to answer them or that you have to answer these questions that they're asking you. So what are your rights when the police are holding me uh, and questioning me? So if the police are holding you, whether you're not whether you're under arrest or not, and they want to ask you questions, they must first tell you these basic rights. It's really important. The first one is that you can keep quiet. The police have to tell you that you don't have to answer any of their questions or say anything at all, and you can just stay silent if you like. You can also uh, must be told that you can talk to a lawyer. They have to tell you that you've got the right to talk to a lawyer um, in private and without any unreasonable delay before you decide whether or not to answer the police's questions. They also have to tell you that you can talk to a lawyer for free under the public uh, police detention legal assistance scheme. Um, and they also need to tell you what you um, say can be used against you. And this is an important one because police, police need to let you know that anything you say to them will be recorded and can be given as evidence in court later. It's important to probably talk to a lawyer before you answer questions. Although it's up to you, it's almost always best not to say anything to the police before you've had a chance to talk to your lawyer. Um, Generally, we don't necessarily always know if the information we are giving sometimes is incriminating ourselves. So again, this is why it's such a big key to just always talk to a lawyer and they'll be able to kind of make any clarifying points around around this area. You can also talk to free lawyers. Um, these are usually available um, by phone. And this is the police detention legal assistance scheme that we mentioned earlier. These are all experienced criminal lawyers, and they can give you good advice about your rights and about dealing with the police. So here are some rules about how the police have to behave when they're questioning you. So if the police are holding you and are asking you questions, there are some rules about how they, um, basically about being pushy and challenging that they're allowed to be. So they're not supposed to question you uh, like a prosecution lawyer does when cross-examining you in court. In general, a cross-examination will be where they're trying to attack or break you down or, you know, clear, really question you about your version of events, asking you leading questions and insisting that you're lying to them. Leading questions are ones that suggest directly or indirectly a particular answer to the question. So, for example, like you stole it, didn't you? By contrast, a question in a neutral way, did you steal it, isn't a leading question and would be okay. Also, if the police ask you about uh, things other people have said or about other evidence they have, they have to give you a fair explanation of what was said or what the other evidence is. In other words, they can't lie about other statements or evidence that they might have as a way of pressuring you into admitting to a crime. So, for example, they can't say another person has said that they saw you committing a crime when that isn't true. 
So it's important to note that all these rules explained um, also protect you whenever the police have obtained enough evidence to charge you with a crime, even if you're not under arrest and the police aren't holding you. Okay, so what if the police break the rules about questioning people they're holding? So if the police don't tell you your rights and follow all the rules explained above, and you do answer their questions, a judge in court can later on might prevent the police using your answers as evidence against you on the grounds that the police obtain the evidence unfairly. So I'm, I'm giving, a, giving you an example here. So this is an example from um, a drink driving charge dismissed um, as the, the defendant basically didn't have a proper a chance to talk to a lawyer. So in April 2017, a judge in Christchurch dismissed an excess breath alcohol charge against a driver because the police hadn't made sure the driver had a reasonable opportunity to talk to a lawyer at all the key stages of the testing process. The driver had just failed a breath screening test, so the police then ordered to go for them to go for the evidential breath test. This meant that he was now being detained and held by the police, and this triggered his rights under the Bill of Rights Act, including the right to talk to a lawyer. The problem with the police case was that although they had made reasonable attempts to contact a lawyer at one stage of the alcohol testing process, they hadn't done this again later on at the another important stage. Initially, when the police had told the defendant he legally had to go with them for an evidential breath test, they did what they were supposed to do. They told him his rights, including the right to talk to a lawyer. And they made reasonable attempts to get hold of a free lawyer under the police detention legal assistance scheme. It's important that you must be given every reasonable opportunity to talk to a lawyer. One factor in this case was the scheme, the PDLA scheme, didn't seem to be working effectively in Christchurch. At this initial stage, the police had tried unsuccessfully to contact eight different lawyers from the PDLA list. From the case report, it looks like this was probably all happening in very early hours of a Sunday morning. But after the driver had failed the evidential breath test, he had then had the right to choose whether to have a blood test. At this point, the police again told him his rights and asked him if he wanted to speak to a lawyer. He told them he did want to speak to a lawyer, and so at this point the judge said the police should have tried to contact one other lawyer on the PDLA list. The judge said the law requires that every reasonable opportunity to get advice from a lawyer must be given, and enforcement authorities must do what is reasonable in the circumstances to facilitate this right. Here the decision whether or not to have a blood test is an important one, and the police should have gone one step further than they did in this situation. The outcome was that the police weren't allowed to use the failed result from the evidential breath test as evidence in this case. And since they no longer had any evidence, the judge dismissed this case. The problems was with free PDLA legal advice scheme. So the judge said he was concerned about the fact that eight of the lawyers on the list couldn't be contacted. And he sent a copy of his decision to the Canterbury Law Society so that they could take some action about this. The news media later reported that the Canterbury Law Society had contacted all the lawyers on the, P the local PDLA list about this problem. The Law Society told them that once they've volunteered to go on the list, they have to make themselves available, and they can't just turn on their um, can't just turn on their phones off and on in the middle of the night. The Law Society said that this was a problem outside the Canterbury as well. This news, news article said that according to lawyers, the PDLA scheme is underfunded and under-resourced nationwide. 
this is kind of an interesting um, point about how, how the law works in practice, and I thought it would be useful for everyone to kind of just hear about um, how it can actually end up being quite beneficial for, for people to know these rights. So what information do I have to give the police if I'm not under arrest? So with a few exceptions, the police have no power to make you give them information whether um, when you're not under arrest. So for example, um, if they just see you walking in the street late at night, they don't have the power to get you to tell them your name, address, and other personal details. Um, so however, in some situations, the police have specific legal powers to require people to give them particular information. I'm just going to give two common situations where this can happen. They've probably all encountered this. So driving. So if you're driving, the police can stop you and ask for your name, address, and date of birth, and the name of the vehicle's owner if it's not yours. Also, um, alcohol offenses. So if the police suspect you of committing an offense against the sale of alcohol, they can require to give you them um, your name, address, and date of birth. If you don't give the police this information, they require you in these situations, they can arrest you. It's an important note here, although you usually don't have to give the police any information when they stop you and ask you questions, telling them um, what they want to know might sometimes be the easiest and fastest way to resolve the problem. So what information do I have to give the police if I am being arrested? So if you've been arrested and are in police custody, you have to give the police your name, age, date of birth, and address. You also have to let them uh, photograph you and take your fingerprints. You don't have to give the police any other information other than those identifying details. So when the police are questioning children and young people, there are certain um, extra things that need to be done. So if you're under the age of 18, the police have to follow some special rules when they question you. They have to explain your rights to you. They, um, they need to do this in a way um, that, in a language, they must be appropriate to your age and your level of understanding. When the police are taking a statement from you, you have to have a lawyer there or an adult um, who you've chosen to be called your nominated adult. But you also can't have both present, a lawyer and a nominated adult. Lawfully Speaking on Plains FM. So moving on, when can the police make an arrest? The police can arrest you under a variety of different acts. They can arrest you just generally, for example, under the Crimes Act. If they find you committing an offense which is punishable by a jail term, but they've got to have good reason to suspect this. Or if they find you disturbing the peace, or they've got good reason to suspect this. Or alternatively, in situations where you've got a specific legal power to arrest you. So, for example, you've reached a family violence protection order. Or if they have a warrant for your arrest issued by a court. These can be issued for a range of reasons, including you've been breached, um, you've breached a, a bail condition, or you didn't turn up to court when you're supposed to. Most arrests happen without a warrant. Some statutes that create particular offenses may restrict police powers to arrest you without a warrant for those offenses. A failure by a police to consider the discretion to arrest is unlawful and arbitrary. So there are specific powers to arrest or hold you. These are some powers that the police have under specific acts to arrest a person without a warrant. 
So these are for minor offenses in the Summary Offenses Act. So for example, a police officer can arrest you if you've got good reason to suspect you've committed an offense against the Summary Offenses Act. This, this act deals with a range of less serious crimes like common assault, tagging, disorderly behavior, and drinking in public. Another situation would be breaching a family violence protection order. Again, the police can arrest a person they have good cause to suspect has breached a protection order drunk in a public space or when trespassing. So if the police find you drunk in a public place or drunk while trespassing on private property, they can take you into police custody. They have to release you once you've sobered up and can't hold you for more than 12 hours. This is Plains FM. I'm Luke, and on this edition of Lawfully Speaking, I'm talking about rights with the police. A mental illness is another category that police can take you into custody if you're in a public place and they've got reasonable grounds to believe you have a mental disorder. They can take you to a police station, hospital, or other appropriate place and arrange for a doctor to examine you as soon as practical. So what about using force when making an arrest? Um, can the police use force in making an arrest? So um, when they are making arrests, uh, the police can use reasonable force to overcome force used by the person to resist arrest. They can only use the least amount of force necessary in the situation. The police can also use reasonable force to prevent someone trying to avoid arrest or to escape after arrest. Um, so this is uh, kind of a good stopping point for an example. If a police officer is arresting me and um, I'm just completely following all directions of an officer and I'm really not protesting or doing anything that would suggest that I'm not coming along quietly, so to speak, um, the amount of force a police officer could use in that situation would be very, very low because, again, um, the bar of necessary force would be, again, uh, very, very low because of the way I was behaving. Um, to give you an alternate example, say I was... Um, shouting and saying that I wasn't going to go with the police and anytime they put their hands on me I would um I would shrug my shoulder I would or try to get their hands off of me and um this would potentially up the amount of force the police officer could use when conducting that arrest and again um it goes up the more the basically the, the more we um try to prevent ourselves from being arrested the more force can be used when um when executing that arrest so what can I do if the police use unnecessary force against me? So if you believe police have used inappropriate or excessive force against you, you can do the following. You can make a criminal complaint to the police. This could result in the police officer being concerned being charged with assault or some other crime. You could bring civil, uh, a civil case against the police for damages or, or you know, compensation. You could complain to the police and ask them to do an internal police investigation. This could result in disciplinary charges being laid against the relevant officer. Alternatively, you could complain to the Independent Police Conduct Authority. If the police use excessive force against you, this may mean that arrest was unreasonable and that your rights have been breached. This applies even if the police are exercising power under a warrant. When the police arrest or detain you, your rights and your duties. So it's important to have a really good outline of how this works. So if the police arrest you, uh, or you're not under arrest, but the police are holding you, for example, for a search for illegal drugs or weapons, you have the following rights. They have to treat you with humanity and respect. They have to tell you at the time they make the arrest the reason for it. Um, and this is unless there's a practical or uh, reason in the obvious circumstances to do so. 
So if the police have an arrest warrant, they have to show you the warrant as soon as practical after the arrest, um, if you ask to see it. You also need to have the right to remain silent. You have the right to talk to a lawyer in private without any reasonable delay, which we talked about earlier. And the police have to charge you promptly or else release you. If they don't release you, they have to bring you before court as soon as possible. So if the police breach any of these rights, um, that can be taken into account if you go to court to challenge the arrest as being unreasonable. Lawfully speaking, on planes if in. So your rights if the police charge you with a crime. So if the police charge you, you have the right to be told what the charge is. Again, you have the right to talk to a lawyer, have a fair and public hearing by an independent and partial, impartial court, be presumed to be innocent unless and until proven guilty, it's important that we know a little bit about surveillance involving trespass. So please do not have the power to place surveillance or interception devices on private property. Um, and this is important to note here, without the consent of the occupier. Um, unless this is obtained evidence in relation to an offense that is punishable by a prison term of at least seven years, or that a specific offense under the Arms Act, mainly offenses relating to unlawful possession of specific weapons, Basically, what's this, what this is saying is that um, unless they get the consent of the person whose property it is who's, or is occupying that property, um, they can't put surveillance or deception devices on that property. Or um, alternatively, they can't do it in situations that, um, where the crime that they're surveilling for is not um, quite, quite serious. Basically, um, punishable by a prison term of at least seven years are usually... Um, quite quite serious offenses. So surveillance powers which don't require a warrant. So police do not need a warrant to record um, secretly or otherwise if the police are lawfully on private property and recording what they observe, recording audio material on a voluntary conversation, so as long as one person who is part of the conversation consents to this. So if the police officer is part of the conversation, they can be the person who consents. So police also have the power to conduct a surveillance without a warrant in urgent or emergency situations that might otherwise require a warrant. Police require a warrant issued by a judge to carry out the following surveillance activities. Um, using a perception device to intercept private communications. Using a tracking device, unless it is solely to learn if someone um, something is opened or tampered with, and installing the device does not involve trespass observing private activity and recording by visual surveillance, using a surveillance device that involves trespass, observing and recording a private premises, even if it does not involve trespass, unless the surveillance is for um, less than three hours in a 24-hour period, or less than eight hours in total. So they also have um, powers to keep surveillance data. So if criminal proceedings are commenced, uh, raw surveillance data, including visual footage, audio recordings, can be kept by the police. And they will be kept by the police until the following. The criminal proceedings related to the offense for which they were uh, collected um, have finished, or any criminal period for those criminal proceedings have expired, um, whichever is latest. So if no criminal proceedings are commenced, the police can keep raw surveillance data for three years if the data is required for an ongoing investigation, or for up to two more years if specified by order. So you might be wondering, how can I check what information the police hold about me? 
So you're entitled to have access to the information that any organization has about you, whether it's private business or government agency like the police. You can ask the police whether they have any information about you, and they have to then confirm whether or not they have any information about you. If they do, they have to provide you with access to it, with some exceptions. Who can I complain about the police? So if, if you believe the police have mistreated you or treated you unfairly, you can complain directly to police or you can complain to the independent police conduct authority like we mentioned earlier. Additionally, you might be able to complain to the ombudsman or the district court. Just so we have a little bit more information what the independent police conduct authority is, it's a body that investigates and tries to resolve complaints against the police. It's separate from and independent from the police. It consists of up to five members appointed by the Governor General on recommendations of the House of Representatives. The chairperson is a judge or retired judge, and the Independent Police Conduct Authority receives complaints about uh, misconduct or neglect um, of duty by police officers, receives complaints about any practice, policy, or procedure of police, oversees investigations of complaints made to the authority or to the police. It examines police investigation reports, um, where necessary, conducts its own investigations. It also resolves complaints by consultation where possible um, and recommends disciplinary or other action. If you want to complain to the Independent Police Conduct Authority, you can complain to the police ombudsman or the district court. The police have to pass on a complaint to the Independent Police Conduct Authority within five days, and the ombudsman or district court have to pass on a complaint as soon as practicable. So again, um, if we complain to one of these other bodies, um, it's, they're obligated to pass this complaint on. You can complain verbally or in writing. You don't have to make a verbal complaint. You don't have to put it down in writing. All you need, your complaint needs to say is what happened, when and where it happened, the name or number of the police officer involved, any statements you have from people who witnessed what happened. This could be doctor's reports or photographs of any injuries or other relevant information. In terms of how the complaint will be handled, the Independent Police Conduct Authority received your complaint and will decide whether to investigate, and if so, what type of investigation to carry out. So it's important to note here, where possible, the authority will try to resolve your complaint informally between you and the police. The IPCA can decide not to investigate your complaint if, if they think the complaint is minor or basically made only to cause annoyance or you have an adequate remedy or right of appeal available to you or if you've made the complaint more than a year after the incident happened. So if it decides your complaint should be investigated, it can do any of the following things. It can investigate the complaint itself or whether or not the police have begun to investigate them, uh, the complaint themselves. It can refer the complaint to the police for them to investigate it. It can get the police to investigate it on the IPCA's behalf or oversee a police investigation of the complaint. They could also, if the police are doing a criminal or disciplinary investigation into the police officer, they can get involved, put off doing anything until it gets a report back from the police about the investigation. If it's appropriate for the police themselves to investigate, for example, if they shot and killed a member of the public, the IPCA won't simply oversee a police investigation, it will do its own investigation instead. So what happens if the IPCA decides my complaint is justified? They can make recommendations that it 
they think are appropriate, including criminal or disciplinary charges being brought against the police officer involved. They could make any recommendations um, or sent to the commissioner of the police who will decide what actions to take to give effect to the recommendations and then report back to the authority. They can also, um, if they think the police aren't taking action, they can notify the attorney general and the minister of police and give the attorney general a report to give to parliament. That has been another episode of Lawfully Speaking with Luke. Hopefully we found some of these case examples and some of the information around how to complain um, if things do go wrong. Hopefully we found that useful. These are very interesting times we're all in, and hopefully everyone stays um, safe and well and honestly um, just happy would be a, a good one. Thank you for listening again. Cheers. Cheers.